Hey, before we get to today's episode of The Mismatch, I wanted to tell you about one of my favorite shows on our network, The Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Our fantasy football experts guide you through each fantasy football season, and last week, they covered all the must-add players and Shark Tank prop bets for week seven. I'm trying to dig my way out of a ditch in my fantasy league this year, and they've been helpful for me to move from last to eighth. I'm trying to move my way up some more. You can find the Ringer Fantasy Football Show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by USAA Homeowners Insurance. USAA has homeowners insurance that could lead the league in assists. Serving our military veterans and their eligible family members, USAA delivers award-winning service and peace of mind. And if you file a claim, the process is transparent and easy, and you can do it all right in the USAA app. Tap the banner or visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more and get a quote. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Join me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com. It's Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin It's Tuesday. What's going on? It is Tuesday. We have had a lot of games go on thus far. And honestly, Kevin, all we needed was for games to start. For Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons to get off of front pages, right? Because now we actually have action going on, and it has been quite refreshing for them not to be the topic of conversation as these games are going on every night now. It's great to just have basketball, pure basketball. We have three teams that the Dream of 82 and 0 is still alive, Kevin. The dream. Those teams are the Chicago Bulls, the Golden State Warriors, and the Utah Jazz. Now, Utah's only played twice. <laughs> They've only played twice. So they got 80 left. Um, but the Bulls, after it got dicey last night, they blew a 20 point lead to Toronto and you could tell everybody was sweating as Fred Van Vliet uh, took a shot at the buzzer that clanked off. Looked good. Looks good. It did it look good. good. <laughs> it was a great crossover. Great yeah, move. Nice little move. <laughs> almost good. got there. But the Bulls did hang off, and they're 4-0. And, you know, I'm seeing these headlines everywhere this morning, which is just absolutely unbelievable that the Bulls are 4-0 for the first time 
since Michael Jordan played for the Bulls. That's impossible. Michael Jordan. I know. It's just four and out. It's like not a it's not an outrageous record. It's It's not like they're ten and oh. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's not like like they started the season ten and oh. The last time the Bulls started four and oh, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman led a lockdown defense that was one of the NBA's elite on a team that went on to win 69 games. Nice. Nice. Uh, Nice. Much like that team. The Bulls, they've done it with defense. They've surrendered less than a point per possession. 97.1 defensive rating so far. But look, and I'm not going to, I don't want to rain on any of the Bulls fans parade because this is a real moment of celebration. That being said, they have beaten teams that are combined two and nine. The Cadeless Detroit Pistons twice. The Zion-less New Orleans Pelicans. The Siakam-less Toronto Raptors, um, but they're four and oh, they're four and oh, and uh, hope springs eternal. Uh, we're about to find out, Kev. Their next six games are New York, Utah, Boston, Philly twice, and Brooklyn. So, we're how about, about after find- that? After yeah. that, Dallas, Golden State, Clippers, Lakers, Blazers, Nuggets, West Coast road trip. I mean, like it, it gets really tough, really fast. We're we're about to find out really quickly. This has been a nice story. It's a cool headline with them being four and zero for the first time since Jordan, and having this ninety seven point one defensive rating. Uh, we're about to see because if there is one thing that nobody thought this Bulls team was going to be able to do, it was defend at an elite level, right and that feels like function of opponent so far. But again, you know, we, it, as with everything in the season, as the days and weeks go on, we find out more and more about these teams. But we're about to find out really quickly if they are going to be better defensively than the, we thought they were going to be um, and kind of what they look like against teams that we expected to be their peers because – None of the teams they have played so far are those that we expected to be the Bulls' peers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it's 100% true that the, this next stretch is going to prove who the Bulls really are. Um, but I think regardless of opponent, Chris, these first four games, they do look like a completely locked-in defense right now. You know, Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball are defending individually and t- collectively at a high level. Zach Levine is continuing what he did during Team USA. Team USA, he played the best defense of his entire life. He was a lockdown guy during the Olympics, and he's trying to carry that over. He looked pretty good. He had some outstanding possessions against Fred Van Bleet last night. So for Chicago, some of these guys are defending at a high level. Patrick Williams is very good in the wing. So this bodes well for them when you also consider offensively. That's what this team is going to do. And, and and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago before the season began uh, during preseason. The question with them was like, is this going to be your turn? My turn? Not a lot of movement. And it's not that they're moving the ball. They're screening well, for each other. They look good. The last five minutes of that game were a disaster. Sure. I sure. mean, but how often does that happen though? During the 82 game regular season, no, I know, like, a, but I mean, it, it, like teams just, you know, get stuck sometimes. I watched, I watched Levine's post game and you know, what he was saying was, you know, basically we got away with the win. He was pretty despondent about the whole thing, but you know, he was, he was pretty honest about it. 
We've got three guys that are all kind of used to having the ball in their hands, you know, when when you're when you're getting when you're coming down the stretch of a game and we gotta figure it out. Yeah. Um because 100% end game for sure. We know, we know, you know, because there's just a lot of standing around, like who's gonna do what. Um, and there and it did devolve into my turn, your turn, and you've got Levine who was the guy taking the last shot for his team. DeRozan, guy taking the last shot for his team. Vucevic, for that matter, in many cases, taking the last shot for his team. And so they just got to kind of figure that out because so many times there is that with, with NBA games and NBA teams, there's that guy that gets you home, right? Like, that's what the NBA is. There's not a lot of, you know, six pass possessions to get the great, Shot, you know, this, this, there was that Spurs team years ago playing against Miami that did it that way. But for the most part, it's kind of I've got my guy, you've got your guy. He's going to decide the end of this game. That being said, the other game that I watched, which was wildly entertaining, was the Celtics and the Hornets, which did turn into OT. that. Right? There was a little too much of Jalen Brown standing in the corner. But finally, they swung it to him, and he hit a monster three, and then he caught one on the break and absolutely cracked on Miles Bridges. Um, But that game went to overtime. Neither team, it felt like, wanted to win the game. At the end of regulation, neither team even got off a shot. Like The the Hornets (laughs) got the ball back with less than 10 seconds left to go. They couldn't run a play. Smart pokes it away from LaMelo. And then on the inbound, Tatum can't handle it. And they don't even get a shot off. And I'm like, <laughs> yo, this thing's going to overtime. <laughs> like, um, LaMelo, it's a big shot. You've got, uh, obviously, Tatum ended up with 41 in the game. And that felt, honestly, to me, like a game between two really evenly matched teams. Now, if it all plays out, and maybe they're both going to be better than I thought they were going to be. Maybe they're going to be worse than I thought they were going to be. Um, certainly the Hornets have started off pretty well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we look up and those teams have to face off for a playoff spot later down the road. Um, and I like the matchup between those two. And that's, and of course, the Hornets didn't have Rozier uh, last night in the game. But that was wildly entertaining. And one of the guys, again, this is all very early in the season. One of the guys that's really stood out is one of those rookies. You knew there were going to be some of them that didn't get the extensions that are going to make themselves a boatload of money. Miles Bridges has been a different guy, Kevin. Player of the week. Player of the week. I mean, and you watch him, and he is just... we, we know that he's always catching electrifying dunks, right? But this guy looks like one of the better players on the floor regularly. Um, and it was it's nice to see him start off like that. It's one of the things that sometimes it's very hard to quantify because you never know on internal growth. We focus so much on who adds free agents, who'd they get in the draft, who'd they, uh, who'd they trade for. Right, things that we know or feel like players that we know, but with players and one thing that is so hard to figure out is who takes a big leap, therefore changing the fortunes of a team. 
And, you know, early, Bridges is one of those guys. Yeah, I mean, Bridges looks absolutely extraordinary. And I lo- just love the way in which they're utilizing him. It's not like, I mean, you mentioned the growth factor. It's not like he's suddenly become some, you know, go-to scoring dude who's breaking down defenders, you know, possession after possession. He's still largely playing off of others. But it's like they're putting him in these positions to excel because he's become such a good spot up shooter. He is like when he is facing a rotating defense off like a kickout pass from the mellow ball, like you can't stop him when he's driving straight to the basket. I mean, he's a bowling ball and he's so explosive. The dude's nasty. I mean, like, can he sustain 25 points per game on no. 17.5 attempts over the course of the season? I mean, no. 25 on, on uh, the, my, my question would be, does he continue taking 17 shots per game? Right. You know, like, like, will that sustain after last year? He was only at nine. Well, shots and, per and, game. and is it, is it a function of in some ways, PJ Washington being out, Terry Rozier being out. And so, Oh yeah, there, exactly. There, there's yeah, a lot plays into it. A lot more opportunity, but he's a good match with Lamelo for sure. Oh, I mean those two, those two, their chemistry is just outstanding. I mean the Charlotte team. I mean you you know, understandably so, raised questions about well, what can this team be if Gordon Hayward misses any amount of time? Um, before the season, that was your statement with about them. Do you feel like with some of the progress from Bridges and the eventual return of Rozier uh, that maybe even if Hayward were to miss time, that they could withstand that more so than you might have expected? Maybe more so than I would have expected, but I still think they're in deep trouble if he misses time. Because he's such a connector, Gordon Hayward. Yes, yes. Now, one thing I did not count on, though, and I must say, I want to apologize for my analyses on that team because there's one thing I did not consider that dawned on me on Sunday as I was watching Kevin Durant, James Harden, go head-to-head with Ish Smith and Cody Martin (laughs) and being on the wrong end. Ish Smith controlled that game and was downright dominant. I I can't describe this to people. LaMelo said to Ryan Ish Smith, keep me on the bench, coach. (laughs) LaMelo Ball played no minutes in the fourth quarter. None. And... Ish Smith like dominated the game and <laughs> took over in the fourth. And when he didn't, Cody Martin did. And I'm like, okay, like this is this is crazy. So I must say, those were tremendous oversights by me watching uh watching that team play. I you, I never you, suspected you dope. You're a dope. I know. <laughs> I I never suspected. Ten, 10 years and 15 teams later, Ish Smith was going to be taking on. Hey, look, we say, Kev, guys develop at in different timelines. <laughs> it took 10 years and 15 teams, but Ish Smith dueling it out with Kevin Durant. You know, it's something that we need to think about. You know, maybe this is the leap. Maybe Ish Smith takes the leap. All these years later. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. 
Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. James Harden has not been James Harden. And also, beyond not being James Harden scoring-wise and uh, the turnover numbers are up, not going to the line. He's only had nine free throws so far this year in three games. Now, almost every season, James Harden averages over nine a game. Okay, so this is a massive difference. And Steve Nash came to the defense of his player and he said, look, he is the poster boy for these rule changes. And basically they're saying, and I'm going to paraphrase these guys, it's gone too far. You know, Harden feels that way too. Um, And he says, you know, a foul is a foul. And he said they're putting too much emphasis on the rules. Well, not even the rules, just certain people. (laughs) And the idea is that he is being targeted. Um, You know, the whole, I throw back my head uh, as I drive to the basket. Um, You know, they're not blowing the whistle now. Um, And a lot of the things, you know, the foul hunting um, is not being rewarded. And I know that Harden is, he is the poster boy. They've probably gone a little too far as to just make an example of we're not calling this ticky-tack stuff all the time. But I must say, it's not just James, Kev. Um, I read yesterday that so far, and this is becoming, you know, a story, uh, so far, free throw attempts are at an all-time low to start the season. Now, James Harden, I'm sorry, he has now taken 12 free throws through four games, okay? Last season, he averaged <laughs> seven a game, okay? And, he and of course, he had double-digit free throw attempts for five straight years. Um, but it, the, the foul calls are not – it's not just Harden. Through the first six days of the NBA season, so we're not including last night's games, free throws per game were at an all-time low. Uh, StatMuse tweeted this out. 19.5 free throws per game this season. Uh, the fewest in NBA history so far. And I guess we're going to see, right? Does this hold up or whatever? But I, I got to tell you, I I have really enjoyed the flow of these games. It feels like teams are playing a lot more basketball without stoppages, you know? Yeah. And um, I think it's made for I mean, really good games. Yeah, the flow has been nice, right? I mean, that number now is at 19.8 free throws per game with the average NBA game. And I mean, obviously it goes without saying it's still early here, uh, but the previous low was 21.7 during the 17, 18 season. So it wasn't that long ago that we had a previous low. And actually last season was only 21.8. So that number has been on the decline, which is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, uh, to tie this to James Harden, like this, this isn't why he's struggling though. Like it's not just because they've, they're not blowing the whistle on him, you know, or they're not blowing the whistle anywhere. And he just doesn't look like the same guy so far earlier this season. He's had slow starts in his past. This wouldn't be the first time. Um, but like without Kyrie there, 
they do need James Harden to get himself into whatever condition he needs to as a player, whether that's physical, uh, you know, actual conditioning or whether it's like actually just, you know, getting shaking the rust off, whatever it is, it needs to be solved for Brooklyn to be the team that they can be. Um, but ultimately though, like I'm, I'm overall happy with these rule changes, man. Uh, I think, I think the next thing they need to do is, you know, copy FIBA and get ready, get rid of that intentional foul on, on transition opportunities to stop a fast break, you know, getting rid of that. I've seen a lot of that, um, you know, get rid of that next. I think that's an easy fix. I almost wish they did it this off season. Um, but other than, other than that, man, I, I think the league is in a, a pretty good place right now with the style of play. The only, the only real thing like big, big, big picture. And we don't need to talk about this to monitor is still as Kirk Goldsberry, you know, has written about in the past is the amount of threes. I mean, if it gets to a point that it's like every team is taking 60% of their shots from three and X amount of years from now, then maybe you worry about curtailing that by, by making measures that help improve the value of post shots or interior shots or extending the three point line. But other than that, the game is beautiful right now, man. Like it's, it's a beautiful, easy game to watch. Like it's so fun. It's just a fun game right now. And I love the fact that they're doing this with the fouls, you know, and and I will, I will say for Harden, there is something to the, uh, look, the numbers are inevitably going to go up for him. No doubt about it. And, and he'll start getting some more calls, but with the with the shooter, they always say, especially on nights where they haven't been able to find the bucket as much, the worst thing you can do is put them at the free throw line because now they start to get into a rhythm. They get that feel once they see the ball go in the basket a couple of times. And he was routinely a guy. I mean, how many possessions could you play in a row without seeing James Harden at the free throw line? Like it was, it was a constant. It's what made him, in many cases, so impossible to guard, right? I mean, he was he was devastating offensively. And so, yes, he has not come back in some kind of uh, Adonis-like shape. And there's probably other reasons that are involved. But it is a thing. It is. Because he was a guy that, you know, when you, if you got your hand in there, it was a foul. If you bumped him, it was a foul. He was great at getting his arm underneath you and catching a foul or tilting that head back. And now when he does that and he's not getting the foul, there's a level of frustration and he'll figure it out. But so far this season, it is noticeable. There's no question. I mean, there's videos going around where it's like, look at these hardened plays. These are a million percent of foul last year. Sure. I mean, it's yeah. noticeable, right? I mean, it's very possible. This could be like, you know, you see across sports early in the season. They're just not going to call it. Yep. But then as the year progresses, they will start calling it. Nah, we'll, guy, we'll, we'll, I think it's going to we'll, be we'll guys see. adjust because you remember about so five you years think, ago, like, like the video video you're referring to is the one where he kind of does his, you know, dance right. on, the, on the drive to the rim. Right. And he, looked like he was probably fouled. Yes. Right. It looked like he probably was, but like, you don't think they're just, you know, at some point going to start calling that, you know, cause it's like the, the reverse, like in the NFL, sometimes they'll call more holding penalties early in the year. Right. And yep. then like, it'll, it'll, you know, the tail off towards the end, this could be like, they're, they're going to let, mo- let less of this, you know, they're not going to call the blow the whistle on this quite as much early on. Cause they want him to change his habits. So he does it less. You think it could be that? Yes. A hundred percent. I think the players, Steph started doing it. 
Trey, obviously, is a culprit. There are more of these guys that started doing it last year. And so it's always, you know, it's like any time they implement the new rule. I remember a couple of years ago, there's two different ones that I recall. One was freedom of movement. At the beginning of the year, they were really calling freedom of movement. If you clutched and grabbed, if you grabbed a guy around the screen, and then by the end of the year, nobody was blowing the whistle for freedom of movement calls. It just wasn't happening because guys adjusted and started playing that way. At the beginning of the year, a couple of years ago, everybody was getting uh, no calls on shots for the rip through. The Durant, I've got the ball at my, uh, you know, lower than my uh, midsection and I'm bringing it up and then I act like I'm shooting. And of course, you got your hand in the cookie jar and they stopped giving them shots for that on the rip through. And yeah, don't, they were, don't, don't see players even try it all, no, all, all that much. That's yeah. right. Because and that's and I think that's what's happening. I think at the beginning of the year, Harden is not getting calls he should get. Imagine me saying that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. But it is you are the most egregious at and when he says he's targeted. Uh, he's he not is. wrong. No, he he's is. Not, he's, he's not wrong. Yeah, and the, and, and <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> they, look, make no mistake. These rules are in there because of you and because of Trey and because of you know, and then other guys that started mimicking it. If and, anything, it should be viewed as a compliment. Yeah, I'm and, serious. But, like I'm, I'm serious. No, but in the meantime, like it, it, they've gone a little overboard. To let him know you're not getting calls to the point where they're giving him no calls, right? I mean, if he's going to the line just a few times. There's some, and there will there will settle on a happy medium, right? Between the every time you throw your head back, even if somebody gets a whisker on you, we're putting you on the line, and you just got bumped uh, going to the basket. Every superstar gets that call because he's not getting that one, right? And he'll start getting that one, the second one. But, you know, he'll come to terms with you're not getting the, you're not getting the, I threw my head back. Oh my God. You know, is there a sniper in the building? <laughs> you know, <laughs> type, type foul calls. Um, but I love it for flow of game. You know, the, le- the less we can have stoppages in these games, the better. Because we're still going through end of game stuff. I mean, some of the times these end of games just take forever. Yeah. Even early in the season, you remember it's stoppage. It's two minutes on the clock. It's 25 minutes later. It's challenges. It's everything else. Um, I don't know what was in the water yesterday and what was going on, Kevin, but it felt like every game that I flipped on to, there was somebody getting cracked on like, (laughs) like, badly and I went up and pulled up I sent you the link to NBA top 10 plays and typically those NBA top 10 plays are like oh this guy had a huge steal with the game on the line and this guy had a game winner and look at the <laughs> and 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 look at this up and under anybody I would encourage you not that I'm here to promote the NBA but like if you go to I told you years ago my son watches these top 10 plays every morning on YouTube to catch up on what took place and and see all the awesome plays. This last night's collection of top 10 plays is one of the greatest I have ever seen in terms of people getting dunked on. You had 
Anthony Edwards with a demolition dunk. You had Lori Markinen murdering Jokic. Like, I'm talking the full-on fly underneath. <laughs> I mean, fly into the third row, you know, victim. Jalen Brown spikes one on Miles Bridges in overtime, no less, in transition. Um, after Anthony Edwards got his, Brandon Ingram came down and cracked one on Anthony Edwards. And then John Collins, uh, I mean, just absolutely straddled Kelly Olenek. And he also got Luca Garza, too. I mean, the whole damn thing. I don't know what was going on. So I listed all not, my, nine dunks on that top there's 10. Not, or, or the, really? the, the only one that wasn't was the Chris Middleton corner three off the dribble. That was it. <laughs> which, which is an amazing play. Yeah. He gets murdered. Yeah, it, was an, it was an amazing right? play. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's on. He's double teamed in the corner. Raises yep. up and yep, two gets, pacers right on him <laughs> and gets pummel and he gets pummel. Yeah, so yeah, it's an and yep. one. Yep. All right. And that's like number 10. Okay. <laughs> so, exactly. so anybody can go watch us. Now they ranked the Jalen Brown on miles bridges. That was the number one play. Do you think they got that right in a night of epic proportions regarding people getting dunked on? Yeah, I do. I do. And the reason why is because Miles Bridges challenged it like seriously. He jumped and Bridges is a leaper, a dunker, a shot blocker himself. I mean, it, like it, like freeze frame the play as Jalen Brown dunks the ball through the net. It's like his his elbow is like hitting Miles Bridges, Bridges head like Bridges is like they're like making body contact 10 feet into the air. Like it's an amazing like just moment display of athleticism between those two. And I respect nothing more, nothing more than guys who are going to challenge a guy who's going for a poster, especially in a moment oh. like that. Miles, Miles Bridges tweeted about it last night saying like, I'm going to go for that. And over time, I respect that. And Jalen Brown, the player he's turning into, I mean, it, it's just, it's just a really awesome looking moment. So that, that was my favorite one. But with that said, Larry marketing over <laughs> Nicole Jokic came out of nowhere. <laughs> if you, so number one, the, the Jalen Brown cocking it, as far oh back God. as he did in order to spike it. And I'm going to get back yeah. to Jalen here in a moment because I got something interesting on him. But if you're Lori Markkinen, hmm. you got to... That, that game gets done. Everybody's like, oh my God, the thing's gone viral. It's the MVP of the league. You just killed the man, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Worldwide Wob is sending out when's the funeral. You know, this kind of stuff. This is your viral moment. And then... You're like, hold on. I'm number two. I just dunked like Tom Chamber style from those old like uh, NBA videos on Nikola Jokic, the reigning MVP of the league. And I'm not even number one. Like it. That's the most unlucky break ever. He just happened to dunk on Jokic on a night where there were like five <laughs> of the most spectacular dunks you could ever imagine. We didn't even mention the John Collins ones, 
which are number one yeah. any other night, oh, both yeah. of them. And the, the, one, the one over Olenek by John Oh, my Collins. God. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, he wrote him, man. <laughs> look, terrible. Those guys set white guy basketball back 50 years with both of those. Just <laughs> though, I, though I will say Kevin Herter threw the lob. To John Collins <laughs> exactly. on that Olenek one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so he helped, us. There. Yeah. he helped us out. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought you were on our team, Herder. <laughs> <laughs> and clearly, Larry Markin on Jokic as well. So just brutal. <laughs> All right. So Larry Markin, he has he's he's got to be thinking like, what do I have to do? That was honestly <laughs> like to he woke up this morning. He's heated. His days are ruined. I know. Not, not number one. <laughs> that is the most sh- like John Collins posterizes people every night. Every night, yeah. Jalen Brown, Miles Bridges, both of those are crazy athletes. Anthony Edwards, Brandon Ingram, all these guys. That oh, Lori Marketing dunk was the most shocking dunk. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't even know where that came from. It was like an in and out dribble. He's full speed. And what is Jokic doing? Are you trying to take a charge? Yeah, he was trying to take a charge from inside that's, the circle. That's terrible. <laughs> that is to just gut out of the way. Dude, Chris, it was like 50 seconds into the game. So and bad. Jokic, and Jokic doesn't jump. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me. Anyway. That's why he can play 82 games. Like, seriously, he just doesn't that jump. Is, <laughs> that is the greatest moment of Lori Markin's career. And it's not even close. It, re- it reminds me of, and I don't want to look. I don't want to put him in the Hazonia category, but oh, the Hazonia, but the Hazonia dunk a couple of years ago when he was playing for the Knicks. Oh um, yeah, that was you know. It's like when I think of Hazonia, and you told me what the, is the a dunk great, on Giannis, right? Yeah. If you said what is a great Hazonia moment, that's what I'd say. If you said what is a great Laurie Marketing moment, I'll be like that time he dunked on Nikola Jokic was awesome. So. I mean, it's a play of his career. Still number two, though. Tough spot. Tough I can't spot believe Hazonia. I, I, I like it's been what three years, four years, three years since that play. Hazonia stepping over Giannis. Like he actually stepped over him <laughs> after the tuck. <laughs> is he, he's not in the league, is he? I don't think he's so. In, he's no. out of the, he's out of the league. No, I don't believe he is. He signed overseas. I'm, I'm pretty oh, sure. Right? Oh, okay. Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's playing uh, in the Euro League now. Oh, how about that? The United, the United League and the Euro League. Okay, good for him. I, I, I said I, I was a Hisonia believer. I was. <laughs> yeah. I said I had something on uh, Jalen Brown. Did you hear that thing about uh, Kendrick Perkins? I think it was on the Celtics pregame the other night, and he's talking about Jalen Brown, and they were talking about. Um, he said. I mean, he was relaying a private conversation. And he said he was talking to Danny Ainge, and he was saying, you know, I think this was in regards to the James Harden thing. And he was talking about, you know, uh, look, Danny, I I love Jalen too, but we're talking about James Harden, blah, blah, blah. And Danny Ainge said to him, Jalen Brown is not going anywhere. He's 25, and he keeps getting better. I'm not trading him. Like and then he said this on the on the on the broadcast, right? Yeah, Perkins and, per, so so Ainge Ainge called Perkins asking would you trade Jalen Brown for James Harden and Perkins was the one who said no, right? Perkins said, 
I was on the phone with Danny Ainge for an hour, and I remember how our conversation went. He was like, hey, Perk, would you trade Jalen Brown for James Harden? And I was like, Danny, you know how I feel about Jalen Brown, but I would trade him for James Harden. And he was like, are you kidding me? He's not going anywhere. He's not even 25, and he keeps getting better. So, so Perkins said he would do it. So Danny Ainge called Perkins yes. already having an answer to his own question that I'm right. not going to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Perkins said he would do it. And yep. Ainge said, no, it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, like that, that was out there. They also could have traded him for Kawhi Leonard too. It just speaks to how much he thinks of or thought of Jalen yeah. Brown. Right. 100%, and Jalen, yeah. of course, made an all-star team last year and has started off the season. Unbelievably. They just got to figure out a way, like, especially at the end of these games, as I was talking about that Hornets game, they got to get him out of the corner. They got to get more two game, two man game going on with him and Tatum, right? Because there's a lot of one man game and Jalen Brown's just standing over in the corner. Um, and then, which isn't the worst thing. He's a 40% three point shooter. No, 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 no. But I'm saying it's Tatum creates everything. And then, like, there was a big possession last night. And then all of a sudden, he gets under pressure. And he's got to throw it to somebody. He ends up throwing it to Marcus Smart, who clanks one off, right? Um, and so I just want to see Brown more involved because up until overtime, he wasn't even getting any touches. Like, he's just not even on the team. They just forget about him standing over uh, in the corner. A um, couple other things that have happened thus far this season. Um, we had Jalen Green, who the team's not winning any games. For sure. That don't um, matter. That's no. okay. That's no. okay. You, you want to lose right now. Get another high pick. But you speaking of highlights high and some spectacular stuff, boy, Jalen or Jalen Green is going to get a dunk on someone that like sets a world on fire this year. Because oh, yeah. he is trying everybody. And it's not just the crazy athleticism going to the basket. He's already had 30 points in a game. We're a week into the season, Kev. He's already had 30 on a night where he was 8 of 10 from three-point range. Um, only one other guy that's a teenager has ever done that, and that, of course, was Anthony Edwards. Um, but the instant reviews, I mean, they're on, he's on a bad team, but if we thought this guy is going to be able to put up big numbers, it appears as if uh, there are going to be many nights that we're looking up, and Jalen Green has some crazy performances because not only is he a crazy athlete going to the basket um, and is just electric, but boy, he shoots a hell out of the ball. He is, man, I hate that we're not getting to see Cade. You know? We're not getting to see Cade at all. Soon. But at least we're seeing Jalen Green. I mean, at least we're seeing, you know, Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes and Davion Mitchell. And they're like this rookie, Chris Duarte, this rookie class is, is really great so far. And Jalen Green, um, he could become the best of the bunch. He could be. I mean, like that game against the Celtics, 30 points. He already is a guy who can get to the basket at will with, you know, his crossovers, his elite first step and crafty at rim finishing. If he's hitting shots off the bounce, like he did against the Celtics in that game. If the shot's working, I mean, at his age, it's hard to have a more complete offensive package um, than what he has right now. Like he looked absolutely outstanding. And the one thing I'll say about him, that's a, a bonus, is that his passing looks better now than it did 
at the end of the G League season, which was better than it did look at the beginning of the G League season. So his progress as a passer in terms of reading the defense, delivering an accurate ball to a teammate, that continually is getting better and better and better. So if he develops during the end, his rookie year with the NBA, the same way he did last year in the G League, I look forward to seeing what Jalen Green's going to look like in March and April compared to what he is now. Like these games I know could it. become more of a regular thing. Like he he could be one of those rookies that's dominant during his rookie season. He could be. Could be. I mean, we'll see how things develop, but the flashes are crazy good, Chris. Crazy. Well, and he has made them much more watchable than their record is going to indicate because you get to watch him. That's the problem with Cunningham being out. You know, Cunningham's got to come back so that Detroit is, you know, at least you're sitting there and you can watch Cade Cunningham. And it's always fun to watch the rookies because there's only two teams in the league that you're haven't not a won Sadiq games. Bay fan? Who? You're not a Sadiq Bay fan, Chris? I'm not, I'm not tuning in to watch Sadiq Bay. Yeah, that's too I bad. Am a, I, am, I am a fan of Sadiq Bay. <laughs> I I think he's, he's looking a, pretty good. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good player. Um, but averaging eighteen and ten, well, that's great so for far him. this season. That's great. You get looking, it, looking hey, sharper off the dribble. Go go buy the rookies today, Kev, because you can get them. There's many available. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I'm alone in saying when there's nine games on League Pass, Detroit is at the very bottom of the list in the absence of Cade Cunningham. They are one of two teams that have not won a game. There's only two teams that haven't won a game. Them, and at least, you know, at least they are getting Cunningham back, and they're fun. That Oklahoma City thing is that, it's a it's a travesty. It's unwatchable, truly. It's, unwa- it's unwatchable basketball. And <laughs> they got to get Gilgis Alexander out of there. Why? Because they're that's a waste. Don't don't do this again where you you end up having him injure himself at the you know some cockamamie <laughs> thing so he has to sit out. I mean you got like one awesome player. Like go let all these other guys like you know go let Dort go be on a good team and let uh like Gildas Alexander go be on a good team and let them do some winning cuz those are guys that can contribute to winning and be, and being on good teams right now. You're in a full-blown rebuild. Right. Like I at least respect like they got, you know, John Wall ain't playing right now. Like it's not like they're wasting away some kind of talent on Houston. Right. If you're going to do the rebuild thing, do the rebuild thing. But like they're they're doing it. All right, Chris. Oh, I know. (laughs) But but the guys that are good players, I look, I'm I'm happy that he, he got his money either way, but just miserable, you know, to have to do that every single night. And you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna offer a different perspective on SGA here. This is good for him. This is good for him because no, he's in a situation. No, listen, let's let me finish. This is good for him because he's in a situation where he can get 20 shots per game, develop, and work on skills that he otherwise wouldn't be able to do if he was playing behind some veterans or even with some veterans. And now his deal hasn't kicked in yet. He's still in the last season of his rookie contract here. There was the rumors this offseason about Oklahoma City offering him and deals for the number one pick. If in a year or two or three, Oklahoma City still is kind of in this weird transitional rebuilding, retooling phase, if they're still not even a play-in team, then they could trade SGA to a winner. But for now, SGA can work on all of his flaws. He can fail and get better from it. 
because of the situation he's in. And then perhaps be in a winning team, whether it's in OKC or somewhere else. Could he offer a lot to a winning team today? Yeah, definitely. No doubt about it. Then go and get him. Yeah. Go and get I, him. I, I he, he's, he's, one of young, he's one of the best young guards in the game, Chris. Only 23 years old. Uh, yeah, I, I pray that I pray that somebody does go and get him. You know they what I mean? Might. Maybe they will. I'm sure Oklahoma, clearly, if Oklahoma City was potentially, you know, according to reports, offering him for the number one pick this offseason, it means they're at least willing to dance if the offer is significant. They're enough. the only one. They're the only one, honestly. Like Detroit, when they get Cade back, is going to be watchable. But I would say league wide, because I, you know, look, when, 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 when league pass starts, I go crazy. I'm trying to watch all of these teams like all the time, right? I got multiple TVs going. I got different games on. They, they're the only team in the league. Like again, Detroit right now is not watchable, but when they get Cade, I'm absolutely going to want to see him. Everybody else. I mean, I find that I find that league wide, there's very few teams that are just a like. I I don't I don't care about watching them. They don't they don't particularly care about winning, and so I don't care about them. Um, you know, at least some of these teams, like you know, the Jalen Green thing is fun, and the Cade Cunningham thing inevitably will be fun. I think it's in the league. It's one of my observations early. It's in a really good spot because. There's at least guys on every team that I have interest in for one reason or another. Definitely. You know? Yeah. You know? I mean, in Oklahoma City, you still have Poku. They're the only. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, l- l- listen, like Oklahoma City's clearly not the first team I'm turning on. They're not. They're um, not. No. But like if they are on the TV, Gildas Alexander's a, a really fun player. Alexei Pokushevsky is a very funky player to watch coming off a bench for a team. Lou Dort is fun to watch play defense. I mean, like even OKC in the dumpster of the NBA still has some fun players to watch. They still do. And I mean, to your point about SGA, I mean, I think it's fair, Chris. And if I were a contending team that had the assets to blow, I'd want to be going after him for sure. He's awesome. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. USAA is insurance that could lead the league in assist. That's because bundling auto with home or renter's insurance saves you money. USAA understands the needs of our military, veterans, and their eligible family members. And they've got great rates and insurance options to meet them. See how much you can save. Tap the banner to learn more and get a quote at usaa.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Can we talk about the most fun player to watch in the NBA? Yeah, let's talk about him. All right, let's talk about him. And the fact that you wouldn't even drive a couple miles to go witness greatness, to watch John Morant turn Staples Center into Rucker Park two nights in a row. I had a busy weekend, Chris. (laughs) Two Two nights in a row. I know. Two nights in I a know, row. I the, know. The guy, Listen, I, I got to make a Memphis trip. I, unbelievable. I, I 
The guy is right down the street. I, I feel like I betrayed you. He sets <laughs> he sets Staples Center on fire two nights in a row. He's leading the NBA in scoring <laughs> right now. And I wasn't there. 40 points, 10 assists. And uh, you know what was weird is the Grizzlies-Laker game the other night was an outstanding basketball game. And it was clean. I mean, there was a lot of just straight up basketball being played. I, it's so funny, though. Mark Davis was the referee of that game. And years ago, I had one of my buddies, and he says to me, he says, uh, he says, uh, oh, God, Mark Davis. I walked into FedEx Forum. Mar- Mark Davis hated with the fires of seven hells, Dave Yeager. Still does, probably. Hated him. And so when he was the coach, it was a bloodbath. Like they like really like they I don't know what happened. But anyways, uh one of one one of the guys that was there at the game, he was like, Oh God, Mark Davis. And I was like, What? I was like, Will you stop? I was like, it's such a homer thing. Like every time there's some <laughs> ref shows up, they're like, <laughs> like, like it's like, oh yeah, this guy's out to get us, whatever else. And he and the guy looks at me. All right. And he says, I promise you this, Chris. You will see something tonight you have never seen before. And I was like, shut up, dude. Well, okay. Yeah. Just just watch the basketball game. And Kevin, they're about to, National Anthem goes off. They're about to start the game. Okay. All of a sudden, I'm sitting at the scorer's table. I hear, I'm like, what? Mark Davis walks over and he goes, delay of game, Memphis Grizzlies. The game started with tech shots. I have never had that. And the guy looked down at me. My buddy Rob Fisher, who's the sideline reporter for the Grizzlies, he looked down at me and he goes, I told you. So I'm, I always think about that. I'm going to see something I never saw in my life at, at a Mark Davis game. And the Grizzlies played the Lakers the other night. And this was not against the Grizzlies. This was against both teams. They came out of halftime. Mark Davis walked out and goes, delay of game, both teams. He gave a delay of game to both teams. Tech, to start off the second half of that game. I don't, what is wrong with this guy? I, ha- I have a solution to what? Oklahoma City's problems. Mark Davis oh. officiates all of them. Yes. You're tuning in to watch Mark Davis, and yes. it just so happens that the Thunder are on the court playing basketball. That, that, that's the solution. Perfect. Let's just I make him. It. He we, is, we did it. You know, like when we were little kids and we did a uh, all-time quarterback, you know, if he didn't have enough players, he could just be all-time <laughs> ref. <laughs> but we just, we get him a residency down in Oklahoma City and Mark Davis could just officiate all of theirs. But anyway, clean game, <laughs> awesome game. I was watching the Lakers uh, play against Memphis the other night and they they got a win as John Morant hits a game tie or misses a game tying free throw uh, with a couple seconds left in the game um, after he got fouled by Bazemore on a three note, no less. Um, boy, they, they shoot a million jumpers, Kev. It's kind of wild. They're always going to be a good offensive rebounding team and they do get out in transition and make you pay for your turnovers. But it was like LeBron just, he just lets you off the hook now. And I don't know if he's just, you know, kind of, 
condition himself for the season or whatever. But I mean, there's times where he gets switches onto either little guys or big guys. And I'm like, oh God, night, night. And then he just pulls up for three. Carmelo Anthony, is he like, is he, do you think this is real? Because the three-point shooting to start off this season has been outrageous. And it continued the other night. And uh, he's not going to keep hitting 67% of he's the not gonna, No, he's not going to keep hitting 67%, but I like, he's becoming a guy when they swing it to him. I'm like, oh, hell. Like, I really think it's going in now. And, you know, guys do, as years go on, guys do reinvent themselves. And it does feel like Carmelo is kind of reinventing himself as a guy that can really shoot that shot and hit that shot, like, regularly. I forget what his three point spot up numbers were entering that year in Houston. Um, but I, if I remember correctly, it was, I remember writing, it was like somewhere around like 37% on catch and shoot threes. Yeah. Since then he's up around 40%. So wow. uh, I, I would imagine, I mean, like, I, I don't know this for sure, but I'd imagine that considering his current role in the league, he's probably investing more time into practicing catching sh- catch and shoot threes than he was when he was a 20 plus point per game guy. And that's probably helping an uptick in his percentages, turning him from like a good spot up shooter into a knockdown spot up shooter. And I mean, so yeah, I would, I would lean towards it's for real. Cause the last two years in Portland, he shot the hell out of it. So, I mean, I, I think this is a real thing for Carmelo Anthony and it's a credit to him for reinventing himself. Well, um, they got, they but, got, they got so much talent that it doesn't really matter. But I mean, you could tell the, the Westbrook stuff looks so disjointed. It really it does. does. It I, I'll tell you what though. End of that Grizzlies game, though, Chris, I've been saying it for months since the deal happened, using Westbrook as a screener, Mm. using Westbrook as a screener in game three, game three, we already saw it. And to me, that's an encouraging thing for the Lakers. The fact that they're already using Westbrook as a screener, he's already showing a willingness to doing some of that dirty work. That's going to help. I think that offense gel in some of those fourth quarter situations because Russell Westbrook can prevent issues for a defense that might be trapping um, or even switching uh, regardless of the defense. So I'd like to see a lot more of that. And also the, the two big lineups for LA DJ and AD. Uh, we, we, we were told right. yeah, we yeah. were going to see AD at the five. He don't want to, he don't want to do it. We were lied to. We were lied to, Chris. Well, th- what happens is AD looks up and he sees somebody like Steven Adams, and that's exactly what he doesn't want to do. Yeah, and he's like, he doesn't DJ, want- you can take that. That's you right. Take it. And yeah. Dwight Howard, and let them tussle with him. Which, which, by the way, might be for the best over the course of the regular season. You do want to save a guy, right? That's like right. April, April, May, and maybe June are what matter for the Lakers. Not, not, not October, November. The crazy thing is, I just thought that in terms of you know, them taking jumpers and and watching them. It, you're going to see a lot of this. It's exactly what I thought. A lot of this, if you stop the tape, you got, they got to get guys moving, but you got a lot of like guys very close to the lane. If people, Everybody's just going to pack it in against them. Everybody. With Westbrook and LeBron out there and Carmelo in many cases, they're just going to pack it in against them. And the other night, LeBron, was shooting threes at a great clip. Carmelo was shooting threes at a great clip, and it's death. But to me, as an opposing fan, I was sitting there going, go ahead, shoot it. 
I mean, it's better than the alternative. Like, I mean, totally. this is the right. I got, this is what I want. And if they're going to hit them, but they do fall into the, just, we bring it up and like, all right, the defense is all packed in. I'll just go ahead and I'm going to step into this shot. I'm going to come around one screen. I'm going to take this shot. They, it, it feels like a old, like a older basketball team that doesn't want to like, and I think that's what we're going to see a lot during the regular season. They're taking a lot of jump oh, shots, yeah. They're, you know, and everybody just packing it against them and say, go ahead, shoot it. And the nights that they make a bunch, they're beating you. And the nights they don't, <laughs> you got a chance. Second, you know? uh, Kirk Goldsberry mentioned today, but I, he tweeted out some stat the other day about how LeBron is taking a lower amount of shots at the rim to yeah. start a season than ever. He doesn't before. even drive. You know? Yeah. I mean, he's clearly taking it easy. The, the flip side of this is that there's certain players you want to see them have the ability to take more threes off the bounce. And that's what Ja Morant's doing. Ja looks smoother and cleaner than ever taking dribble jumpers. And as a guy who can already get to the rim, finish inside, draw fouls, kick out the teammates. If he's adding that on top of everything else, which it appears like it follows his trajectory as a player in recent years, he's gotten better, better, better this year. It seems like it's really clicking for him so far early on. I mean, Ja. He has Memphis, been freaky. Memphis looks good, man. Yeah, he, he's been freaky. 35 points per game, and it, it looks legit. Yeah, and I, he is, to the point that you were making about LeBron, uh, Morant, uh, as of yesterday, was uh, leading the league in points in the paint. Now, think about that at his size. Yeah. He's yeah. leading the league in points in the paint. So if you lead the league in points in the paint and you can hit threes, it's curtains. At, at like what, 180 pounds, something yeah. like that? Yeah. He's still light, right? Yes. He isn't. He's not over 190, right? I, I don't know. He's he's grown into his body a little bit. You know, he wears that arm sleeve and he used to always have to pull it up. And now he says he's got enough muscles that he doesn't have to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he's the only guy that ever wore a baggy arm sleeve. His arm, <laughs> his arm was so skinny that the damn thing would fall down. And now he fills out the arm sleeve. So he has gained some weight. He did get in the weight room this summer. For what it's worth, the Grizzlies have him listed at 6'3", 174 pounds. 174 seems low. That was his, that was probably his rookie measurements. I think that's right. Gotta, gotta get an update there. Nah. Um, all right. A couple guys that we do want to mention before we get out of here because it's just something to keep an eye on. We talked about Miles Bridges earlier. Like guys, as we always talk about, guys developing at different trajectories and kind of possible breakouts. We've listed some of these guys to our credit at the beginning of the year. Um, Miles Bridges was one that we had not, but he is certainly at least given the indications that he could have a very, very good season, uh, in what's going to be a contract year for him. Tyler hero, as we mentioned, start off the season, like a house of fire. I believe I read the other night, the first guy to have 30 and 10 off the bench, like ever for the Miami heat. And that's a pretty damn good franchise. Yeah. Right. Um, Keldon Johnson so far. We were Keldon Johnson fans. We he got the, about him. Yeah, he got the Team USA experience, um, and we really liked him. Uh, Duarte mm. is that like middle middle of the pack. I mean, has anyone been better than the Indiana Pacers at snatching guys without having good draft picks? It's crazy. Like they nail that pick. Like you go all the way back to George. I mean, it is, it, they nail that pick more often than not. And they never have a good one. They're never like bad, bad where they've got some high pick. 
they get these middle round picks and they find a player. And Duarte plays a lot of minutes for them already. Um, and is looking good, man. And, yeah, not, and, not ju- and not just taking threes, not just launching threes. You know, people thought he could be, oh, a three and D guy early in his career. He, he's doing a lot off the dribble, too. Yep. Uh, and then we mentioned Cam Reddish after game one. It has continued. Cam's been very good. But the one that I want to mention, and again, this could just be an early season, good little run, is Harrison Barnes. <laughs> Harrison Barnes. I mean, look, he is shooting. Nine threes a game so far, Kevin. Like, there are some guys that, like, and again, we'll see as time goes on, right? But, like, Harrison Barnes always been a good player. Good. Good player. Um, But there's sometimes it's it's worthy of keeping track of when you see a number like that tick up a lot. I remember at the beginning of the season uh, last year before McCollum went out and you were like, McCollum's shooting like 11 or 12 threes a game. Shooting 11 per game right now, too. <laughs> I oh, mean, yeah. <laughs> the Harrison Barnes, not only is he shooting nine a game, he's making them. And again, it might just be an early season thing, but they've got a lot of guys that can collapse a defense. And every once in a while, somebody dedicates themselves and just set, decides, this is what I'm going to be able to do. And What's he shooting? I mean, he's shooting over 50% so far on the nine attempts, but we'll see what those attempts do because you could have you could have somebody like a Harrison Barnes, you know, that's how you could increase your scoring average a great deal. He's been like a 20-point-per-game guy. But what happens if Harrison Barnes starts taking nine threes a game and making 40% of them? Next thing you know, he's a 25-point-per-game guy, right? Yeah, I don't I mean, know. La- I don't know. La- la- Last season, he attempted 11.1 shots per game and 4.4 three-pointers per game. This season, up to 17.3 shots per game. And like you said, nine three-point attempts per game. And of those nine attempts, 5.7 of them are catch-and-shoot threes. 3.3 of them are off-the-dribble threes. So, I mean, we'll see how many how many shots he keeps taking per game. But, I mean, this is a league-wide thing. You have guys that go from you know attempting a handful of threes per game to a lot of threes per game because teams are emphasizing, hey, you're a 40% shooter off the catch. Maybe we should be getting you more shot attempts in the half court. So I, I think with Harrison Barnes, part of it is that um, the off the dribble stuff, boy, <laughs> I, I don't know how sustainable that is, but it sure is fun to watch Harrison Barnes become a 30 point per game guy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, all right, what you, what you're, Out of nowhere. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Not this is 10 years. This is Harrison Barnes' 10th season in the league. What if Harrison Barnes makes the 10 year leap? Yes, 10 year leap. Harrison, yeah. <laughs> 28 a game. <laughs> uh, the nine threes is wild, though. What he might take a million threes this year, like that just may be the thing. I mean, I mean, he's like taking them against good defenders too. There was a play the other night, Kings Warriors, when he like stepped back against Draymond Green. Yeah, <laughs> it's like what's going on here? Watch out! <laughs> Watch out! That, that, it's like pass the ball, that pass me. Oh no, no, he's stepping back for a Draymond. Nobody <laughs> saw the Harrison Barnes yeah. leap coming <laughs> in it's year nuts. ten, but uh, it's something to monitor at least, just because. Of course, th- you've obviously changed your game a lot it, again in this minuscule sample size when you're taking nine threes a game. That's a big number for a guy that people don't consider 
a big three-point shooter. It's like small sample size alert, you know. That's right. It, it, it applies to every player and Absolutely. team at this point of the season. But early season trends are worth, it's you know, worth keeping it, an eye on. It's, it's worth, worth keeping, keeping an eye on. on. No, some of these stuff's going to fall on its face, and some of this of stuff's going to hold, right? Exactly. Some of it's going to hold on. Like, think about Jeremy Grant last year. Yep. Jeremy Grant, I mean, he had, you know, he declined a little bit. But he still did keep it up for the most part. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, guys can get better out of nowhere. So with the Kings, you know, 29 years old, Harrison Barnes. Who knows? I mean, a tweak and roll, a tweak and roll and like other incremental improvements can lead to a guy becoming a better player. We did this with Scary Terry last year. Sometimes it can get better. Sometimes it's the shots you're taking. Yep. Shots you're taking, opportunity you're given. And the work you're putting in, it's, it's a culmination of all of that together yep. that leads to the results. Yep. Uh, it's been a fun start to the season for sure. And I'm glad that the off the court crap that people got, you know, not people, we did too, got frustrated and bored with being the headlines every single day are no longer the headlines because there's a bunch of basketball going on. Um, Kevin? I will catch up with you Friday. Thank you to our executive producer, Sasha Shell, as always. Uh, I'll talk to you at the end of the week.